I decided today I would like to focus on the very basis of our faith because it is a growing edge in my life right now. That is the foundation of the church, which is faith in the living Christ. Let us pray. O Lord of life and giver of all wisdom, touch our hearts and our minds now with the blessing that you bring to us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. I received a letter recently from a young man. This is a young man that grew up in the church. Among other things in his letter he wrote, and I quote, it is so difficult to have faith in this day of my life, with the university teachings making it more and more difficult to see how religion can be compatible with logic and rational observation, end quote. Well, of course, his words are not new. I suppose in every age since the time of Christ there have been skeptics that wondered how you could believe when so much about them seemed to indicate that belief was foolishness. Well, I sat down at my typewriter and responded to the young man as best I could, explaining that I believed there was so much more to life than the rational mindset perceived. But in so doing, I realized again how easy it is for people to lose sight of their faith in such an age as this when it becomes challenged by outside things. Somehow today we think we can explain everything or explain away everything. And what is missing, I believe, is that element which first prompted people to worship God. It is the element of awe or wonder. The psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. In other words, if you have eyes to see clearly, the glory and wonder of God's presence is all about you. Robert Frost said a wonderful thing about poetry. He said, and I quote again, a poem begins with a lump in the throat, and it emerges from feeling to express a truth that is deeper than life itself. A poem begins with a lump in the throat. Real faith and worship, I believe, also begin with a lump in the throat. Abraham felt it. Moses felt it. David, Jeremiah, Isaiah. They all knew that the experience of God was more than just intellect. It was heart and mind tied together. This sense of the awesomeness of God that drives us to our knees. For many people, a favorite hymn is, How Great Thou Art. 
O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. These 20th century words are saying much the same thing as the psalmist said when he looked at the starry heights and knew that God was with him. True faith and belief in God begins with a lump in the throat and emerges in glorious praise. You see, for Robert Frost, poetry begins not in the head but in the spirit in the quickening of feeling, an impulse which demands expression. This is the fire in the bones that the Hebrew prophets spoke about. I want to share with you a poem I read recently that grips the meaning of this lump in the throat. It's a poem by Edna St. Vincent Millay, and it's a poem about this time of year. O world, I cannot hold thee close enough. Thy winds, thy wide gray skies, thy mists that roll and rise. Thy woods, this autumn day, that ache and sag, and all but cry with color. The gaunt crag to crush, to lift the lean of that black bluff. World, world, I cannot get thee close enough. Long have I known a glory in it all, but never knew I this. Here such a passion is as stretcheth me apart. Lord, I do fear thou'st made the world too beautiful this year. That comes from that experience that deep feeling that has to be expressed. And all the saints that we sing about knew that. But I think the main reason for the loss of the religious sense and help hence the loss of faith in our time is that we have lost this sense of awe and wonder about life. We have allowed this sense to dry up. They say that as men start to get older, they turn to poetry. I've been turning to poetry a lot lately, but I hope that first half of that isn't necessarily true. But I have found that poetry has so enriched my spiritual life because you find deep spirituality in poetry. And it reminds us there's much more to life than just what we can compute and see printed out on a screen. For many people today, they become smitten by a siren, the siren we might call intellectual rationalism or secularism. Sci the scientific mindset has characterized the last half of this century. We've become very blasé about life, and science imperfectly grasped has been a conspiracy against awe and wonder.
To be sure, we are deeply grateful and indebted for all scientific advance, and we benefit enormously from it. But the downside is that we think we can explain everything and put a religion away with the rest of the childhood toys. And that's to miss the whole adventure of the spirit. One of this century's greatest philosophers, Abraham Joshua Heschel, said, indifference to the sublime wonder of living lies behind all the evils that have befallen our sorry century. Now, when you pause and think about it, it's profoundly true. Indifference to the sublime wonder of living lies behind all the evils that have befallen us because we do not reverence life and know the presence of God as the psalmist did. Wonder is one of our distinctively human capacities. No other part of creation has the ability to stand in awe. This is what can bring us in touch with God. We have to sort out what I like to call the static of our lives, everything that gets in the way of our appreciation of God's world, and fine-tune on the wonderful mystery and magnitude of God's love for us. In other words, we have to become sensitive to opportunities of wonder and not miss them. Wendell Berry is an author that I enjoy. He lives in Kentucky and loves to go walking in the woods near his farmhouse. He makes a point of taking nothing with him and he makes a point of walking through a very narrow cattle gate as he leaves the field to go into the woods and the symbolism for him is that he leaves the worries of the world behind to commune with his Lord in nature. And he stands there in the midst of trees that were there long before he was born and will be there long after he dies. And he is deeply enriched by nature and by God's presence there. There's nothing like little babies to put you in touch with wonder. I always get itchy knees every time a baptism comes up because that's my opportunity to hold these little ones in my arm and feel the wonder, the presence of God's creative love in this little tiny baby. About three weeks ago, I did this in an intensely special way. I held a little granddaughter in my arms. And if that doesn't bring a lump to your throat, you're not human. And we are reminded that the very origins of life are so awe-inspiring, so profound. This little, tiny, weak old bundle of wonder with all the muscles and twitchings going on, it's fantastic. But above all, of course, the greatest wonder of all is the love of God shown clearly to us in Jesus Christ. 
a love that is never withdrawn, a love that is always offered and is there for us right from the start. That's what the sacrament of baptism is all about. As we take these little ones and sprinkle them with the water, symbolizing both forgiveness and love, God loves this little few-week-old child long before she can ever begin to understand. That is the most amazing gift of life. St. John puts it this way in the scripture from the New Testament this morning, in this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the expiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. The greatest wonder of all is the love of God expressed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we should never allow ourselves to come to this table where all that love is summed up for us without a lump in the throat that says, thank you, God, that you have not forgotten me and left me lost and wandering, confused. But here in the lights of the risen Christ, here in the sacrifice that he endured, here in his death and rising again, is the wonder of your love that we must never be blasé about. It is awe-inspiring that God would do this for us. The greatest wonder of all is the love of God expressed in Christ. And the fact that this universe is founded on love makes everything else so wonderful. I have a meditation, an exercise, a spiritual exercise that I like to do sometimes. And I had an opportunity this summer to enjoy it again. I was up on a northern lake. I was in a canoe, not far from shore, but far enough from shore to see in the middle of the night hundreds of thousands of stars above me. You know, there's no lights around you, and the stars are the only thing that's giving you light. And you forget how many are up there and how marvelous it is and immediately the words of the psalmist come to mind. The heavens are declaring the glory of God. And then I, I sit there in the canoe. Yes, I had my personal flotation device. I sit there in the canoe, and I look up, and I stay with the moment. That's the thing. If you want to feel wonder, you've got to stay with the moment. Don't just let it pass. You stay with the moment. And I said something like this. Lord, I'm here. I am who I am. I'm nobody else. I am what I am. And you love me. And if you say that over, stay with the moment, say it over and over and over again, you absolutely become transported in wonder 
awe and praise. And you think about the light you see coming from those stars left thousands of years ago. You don't know how it could possibly be. But you are just caught up in the moment. And you know and feel and experience the lump in the throat and the beating of the breast. And it's wonderful. And you know what the psalmist is saying. The heavens declare the glory of God. I hope that you won't let the pressures and strains and the temptations of a highly technological society separate you from that sense of wonder which is the heart of all our faith. Speaking of biblical faith, a great man once said that when he was a small boy, he believed the Gospels just as they were written. And then he became older and more clever, and he discovered things like psychology, and he studied Freud. He became a philosopher and a scientist, and he no longer believed the Gospels. But now he is old, and not only clever, but wise. Not only wise, but humble. And now he believes the Gospels, just as they are written. There's a man that's had a few lumps in his throat. And if we can just be open to that, and take those moments and stay with those moments, and allow them to teach us it is God's Spirit reaching out. God loves us all. We are formed and framed in that fantastic love. God's love is all around us. And if we take the time to open ourselves to wonder and know that it comes from that first love, then our faith is strong and rich and true. And the church of which we are a part is strong and rich and true. And we carry that faith like a banner in the world. So may it be this day and forevermore. Would you join me now in the prayer of response that is printed on the top of page two of your bulletin? Eternal and ever faithful God, we thankfully praise you for the blessings you have bestowed on us as a congregation. May your Holy Spirit inspire us to new visions of how we may serve you. Keep us faithful to continuing serve you in ways that have been pleasing to you. Deepen our love for our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.